Friday, March the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Biden's hopeful message and new jitters about a vaccine. First, the world in brief. Hours after Joe Biden signed America's $1.9 trillion stimulus package into law, he delivered a somber but hopeful speech about the country's progress towards overcoming the pandemic, which had been officially declared by the World Health Organization exactly one year earlier. By May 1st, he said every American should be eligible for a vaccine. And provided they exercise vigilance about mask wearing and the like, Americans may be able to celebrate this year's 4th of July under something like normal circumstances. Denmark, Iceland, Norway and then Thailand suspended vaccinations with the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 jab after a Danish woman who received the shot developed a blood clot and died. Several other countries had already stopped administering doses from the same batch. The European Medicines Agency, the EU's regulator, said there is no indication that the vaccine causes blood clotting. An investigation is underway. The first wave of the pandemic eliminated nearly 6 million jobs in the European Union, according to research by Eurofound, an EU agency. Younger people were the most badly affected, especially those on temporary contracts. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank agreed to ramp up bond buying, worried that higher borrowing costs could spread to the wider economy, affecting the Eurozone's recovery. The leaders of Myanmar's military coup accused the country's top de facto leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, of taking gold and other payments worth $600,000. An army spokesman accused other members of her government of corruption, also without evidence. Violence continues in the streets. At least seven protesters were killed on Thursday, bringing the reported death toll to 70. China's annual parliament rubber-stamped changes to Hong Kong's election rules. Under a resolution, only patriots, i.e. Communist Party loyalists, will be allowed to stand for election, and the body that selects the territory's chief executive will be further stuffed with pro-establishment types. It seems likely that elections scheduled for September, which had already been postponed by a year, will be pushed back again. Inflation in Brazil was more than 5% annualised in February for the first time in four years. The figure, somewhat higher than expected, increases the probability that the central bank will raise interest rates for the first time since 2015 next week. The bank's president was worried about a combination of slow growth and inflation. And Christie's, an auctioneer, sold a JPEG for $69.3 million. Every day's The First 5,000 Days is a collage by an artist called Beeple, who had not sold a print for more than $100 until October 2020. Everydays became the first purely digital non-fungible token to be auctioned by a major house. NFTs, cryptographically encoded collectible computer files, are enjoying something of a vogue. It's Friday, March the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Biden's hopeful message and new jitters about a vaccine. First, the world in brief. Hours after Joe Biden signed America's $1.9 trillion stimulus package into law, he delivered a somber but hopeful speech about the country's progress towards overcoming the pandemic, which had been officially declared by the World Health Organization exactly one year earlier. By May 1st, he said every American should be eligible for a vaccine. And provided they exercise vigilance about mask wearing and the like, Americans may be able to celebrate this year's 4th of July under something like normal circumstances. 
Denmark, Iceland, Norway and then Thailand suspended vaccinations with the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 jab after a Danish woman who received the shot developed a blood clot and died. Several other countries had already stopped administering doses from the same batch. The European Medicines Agency, the EU's regulator, said there is no indication that the vaccine causes blood clotting. An investigation is underway. The first wave of the pandemic eliminated nearly 6 million jobs in the European Union, according to research by Eurofound, an EU agency. Younger people were the most badly affected, especially those on temporary contracts. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank agreed to ramp up bond buying, worried that higher borrowing costs could spread to the wider economy, affecting the Eurozone's recovery. The leaders of Myanmar's military coup accused the country's top de facto leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, of taking gold and other payments worth $600,000. An army spokesman accused other members of her government of corruption, also without evidence. Violence continues in the streets. At least seven protesters were killed on Thursday, bringing the reported death toll to 70. China's annual parliament rubber-stamped changes to Hong Kong's election rules. Under a resolution, only patriots, i.e. Communist Party loyalists, will be allowed to stand for election, and the body that selects the territory's chief executive will be further stuffed with pro-establishment types. It seems likely that elections scheduled for September, which had already been postponed by a year, will be pushed back again. Inflation in Brazil was more than 5% annualised in February for the first time in four years. The figure, somewhat higher than expected, increases the probability that the central bank will raise interest rates for the first time since 2015 next week. The bank's president was worried about a combination of slow growth and inflation. And Christie's, an auctioneer, sold a JPEG for $69.3 million. Every Days, the first 5,000 days, is a collage by an artist called Beeple, who had not sold a print for more than $100 until October 2020. Everydays became the first purely digital non-fungible token to be auctioned by a major house. NFTs, cryptographically encoded collectible computer files, are enjoying something of a vogue. And now here's today's agenda. For sure, the Quad meets. Three years ago, China's foreign minister dismissed the Quad, a bloc compromising America, Australia, India and Japan, as sea foam in the Pacific, whose ideas will be short-lived. Yet the group, which was established in response to growing Chinese power, has survived and thrived. Its foreign ministers have met thrice in the past two years. Today, it holds its first ever leaders' summit, a virtual gathering of Joe Biden, America's president, and Scott Morrison, Sugiyo Shahide, and Narendra Modi, the prime ministers of Australia, Japan, and India, respectively. The leaders will discuss everything from the climate crisis to the pandemic, including an initiative to ramp up vaccine manufacturing in India to counter Chinese influence. But hard power will not be far from their minds. Indian and Chinese troops remain locked in a Himalayan standoff, Lloyd Austin, America's Defence Secretary, will embark tomorrow on a trip to South Korea, Japan and India to continue the discussion in person. Colourful Characters Honduras's Presidential Primaries The candidates for Honduras's presidency will be chosen in a primary election on Sunday. In a country where organised crime pervades the political system, some of the characters can be generously described as colourful. Nasri Asfara, the mayor of Tegucigalpa and the leading candidate for the ruling National Party, is accused of crimes including money laundering and embezzlement of public funds. He denies this. Yanni Rosenthal, who is running to be the Liberal Party's nominee, is a convicted money launderer. 
it is not just the candidates. President Juan Orlando Hernandez, whose term ends next year, stands accused in a trial in New York against an alleged Honduran narco smuggler of conspiring to traffic drugs to America, apparently saying that he wanted to shove the drugs right up the noses of the gringos. He too denies the allegations. All this is likely to mean the contest will be watched closely by an American administration fretting about democratic backsliding in Central America. Joe Body Knows After the Stimulus It is not every day that a president gets to send almost $2 trillion out the door. His signing of the stimulus today marks a big win just 50 days into his term and prompts the inevitable question, what's next? Joe Biden is keen on a big infrastructure bill, but unless he can find 10 equally keen Republican senators to bypass the filibuster, unlikely given how many of his administration's green ambitions Democrats will cram in, they'll probably have to wait until summer, when it can be passed through reconciliation. He has sent an immigration bill to Congress, but comprehensive immigration reform is the great white whale of Washington, doubly so now that hostility to immigration has become central to the Republican platform. Passing that, the ambitious voting rights bill passed last week by the House, or the gun control bill it passed yesterday, will take a showdown over the filibuster. Mr Biden is not interested in such a fight, but it may be interested in him. An electoral test. Germany's Christian Democrats. What Germans call their super-election year kicks off in earnest on March 14th, when two states in Germany's rich southwest Baden-Württemberg and Rheinland-Palatinate go to the polls. Until recently, the country's ruling Conservative Christian Democratic Union had hoped to wrench control of both states from, respectively, the Greens and the Social Democrats. But lately, voters have lost patience with the government's management of the pandemic and are aghast at an ever-growing set of scandals involving CDU MPs around mass procurement and other matters. Polls have shifted accordingly. Baden-Württemberg now looks like a lost cause, and the CDU has fallen back in Rheinland-Palatinate. Two bad results will hurt Armin Laschet, whom the CDU elected its chairman in January. Mr Laschet hopes to lead the CDU and its Bavarian sister party, the Christian Social Union, into Germany's general election in September, and then to succeed Angela Merkel as Chancellor. But the party will hesitate to nominate a proven election loser. Age or illness? Estimating COVID-19 risk. It is well known that people killed by COVID-19 are disproportionately old. But is it raw age that makes the elderly particularly vulnerable to the disease, or instead the older people tend to share lots of other factors, comorbidities, that weaken their ability to fight it? To answer such questions, The Economist has developed a new COVID-19 risk estimator. For any group of unvaccinated people of a given age, sex and 29 different pre-existing medical conditions, it estimates the share of people that would die or be hospitalised within 30 days of testing positive for SARS-CoV-2. Broadly, our model finds that age itself is the strongest predictor of death rates. However, comorbidities can sharply increase young people's chances of hospitalisation. The tool cannot calculate risk for individuals reliably, but does provide sturdy estimates of group averages based on demography and medical conditions. You can explore the model's output for 80 billion potential combinations of variables using our interactive tool. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Marie von Ebner Eschenbach, who died on this day in 1916. Nobody knows enough, but many know too much. 
that's it from The Economist morning briefing available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.